on this episode of Sex and Healing. It's so clear the correlation between shame and illness, between unresolved trauma and illness, between fear and disease. Our state of mind drastically impacts our health and our well-being and our immunity and our ability to heal. I never want to feel unprotected. I never want to feel like I'm having sex in which I need to protect myself. Protect myself physically, protect myself mentally, protect myself emotionally. a text from him that says, hey Aaron, I hope you're well. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. However, I have come back with a positive test. She's like, okay, tip your head back, stick your tongue out. She's like, I'm really sorry. This is really uncomfortable. And it was totally fine. She's like, wow, you're really good at that. Like, that's why we're here. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the Sex and Healing Podcast. I am your host, Erin Kiner, and thank you so much for joining me as we take this wild ride together through the realms of sex and healing. Today's episode, we are going to be talking all about STIs and how to actually talk about STIs. <laughs> So this is a fantastic episode to share with your world because it's really important that these conversations are happening, that we continue to reduce the shame and the stigma associated around STIs. So please share this episode with anyone that you think would benefit people in your life that may have been in these situations or currently uh, navigating some of these very tricky conversations. We also have an ability for you to donate to the ongoing costs of the podcast. If you feel called, of course, there's no expectation. They're not required at all, but even the smallest amount is extremely appreciated and you can donate at paypal.me forward slash sex and healing. And as always, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. So let's talk about STIs. So up until a decade ago, they were called STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. And it was in the early about 2013, I believe, that they started to change the languaging to sexually transmitted infections. And this was done, which I think is a very positive thing, to change that vernacular around this situation. We're not diseased. An infection is not a disease. An infection is something that can be treated. So to change the languaging to STIs allows for a greater understanding to clear some of that shame and the stigma which is one of the most important things about changing this. You know, being a sexually active individual means that we need to talk about STIs. It is part and parcel of being a sexually active individual. And, of course, it's a more prominent consideration if you are having casual partners or whether you share with multiple partners. I know that in monogamous relationships it's something that you need to care about less as the relationship goes on, but it is still a very important conversation to have and certainly at the establishment of new relationships and certainly in (laughs) 
casual dynamics and polydynamics, it's absolutely necessary for our own health and well-being and the health and well-being of the people that we love. So would you believe that statistically one million STIs are acquired every day worldwide? Every freaking day, one million STIs. So that comes from the World Health Organization. It's kind of mind-blowing to consider you know, I feel very lucky and privileged to have been in a long-term relationship for a lot of my youth and it's it's far less of a concern. But becoming single at 35 and travelling the world and having multiple partners in multiple countries, it really brought this to the forefront of my reality and actually comes with a fair amount of stress for me. I know that it greatly impacts my sexual, well, it impacts my sex life but a sense of being unsafe or unprotected can really impact my arousal and my comfort with sexuality. So the importance of having STI conversations and the importance of having health protocols to protect myself and my lovers drastically increases my sexual satisfaction and my sexual experiences. So one of the biggest problems with STIs is that they're often asymptomatic until complications can occur. And some complications can be infertility and can be cancers. Like, yes, it can be something mild that can be treated with a single dose of antibiotics and it's done. And then some of them can be lifelong complications that we have to navigate. So it is really important that we talk about it. It's really important that we talk about it without shame and that we normalize these kind of conversations. And I have a couple of good stories coming up for you in this episode about these kind of conversations that I've had to have in my life. So STIs can actually be passed. This is just some very brief sex education for you all, but STIs can be passed through intercourse, obviously penis and vagina and penis and anus intercourse, but that's not the only way. You can actually contract and transmit STIs through the back of the throat. So if you're having sex sex with male partners and you're deep throating and their penis comes in contact with the back of your throat, you can both receive an STI and you can transmit an STI to a male partner through that kind of oral sex and obviously oral sex with women and sharing sexual fluids with women through the mouth is a possibility as well. And even dry humping. Now, (laughs) I love a good dry hump. (laughs) I think dry humping and fingering are two grossly underrated sexual acts that we don't really enjoy as adults too much. It's a very teenage thing, (laughs) but I fucking love them. But Any kind of contact with sexual fluids between partners and especially on uh, tissue that is more uh, absorbent. What's the word I'm looking for? Okay, I cannot think of that word to save my life, my sex education. (laughs) Dr. Erin is failing us right now. (laughs) The more porous tissue, the more uh, with the mucous membranes, then these are where we can transmit and receive STIs far more easily. So that's obviously more present for women because our sex organs are internal versus for men. But there are different patterns of STIs spreading around the world in different ways based on so many different factors. Uh, When we look at developing countries and third world countries, such as Indonesia where I live, we have bigger problems in local communities because of the, it's cost prohibitive for prevention and testing and also education. So I know that when my previous partner and I had a charity in Africa and we built an AIDS resource centre, a counselling and resource centre, that the education around AIDS 
and the prevention of the spread of AIDS and HIV is very, very different in Africa than if we're dealing with it in Australia in the first world. So there are so many factors that contribute to this. And the more education we have as individuals and the more that we create our own personal protocols and safe sex practices, the safer we are, but also that we contribute to our communities around us and keeping our loved ones and other people safe as well. So the most important thing that I'm going to harp on about in this episode is removing shame and stigma. When we have any shame inside our own self and we're holding the energy of shame inside of our body, like there are, there's plenty of scientific evidence out there in the science world about our state of mind and our body's health. We can see that we have both the ability to heal ourselves through our mind and we have the ability to make ourselves sick. So if we're carrying a whole heap of shame and particularly sexual shame, what that's doing to the overall well-being of our organism, of our body, and the susceptibility of getting sick versus clearing ourselves of shame and holding ourselves in high regard and what that means for our overall health and our our immunity and so many different things like that. It's so clear the correlation between shame and illness, between unresolved trauma and illness, between fear and disease. Our state of mind drastically in, impacts our health and our well-being and our immunity and our ability to heal. So removing shame and stigma from our sexuality and removing shame and stigma from these conversations is a drastic and important part of actually making ourselves healthy, not just making it easier to have the conversation, but actually keeping our organism in the healthiest state. So today we're going to cover about how to ask about a new partner's STI status, about how we might be able to share if we have a positive STI status, or we have to go back and inform partners after the event that we now have a positive STI status. We're going to talk about disclosure if you have an ongoing status that you need to disclose. So we'll go, we'll weave in and out of these. I'm not that much of a structured person, so we're not necessarily going to go from A to Z, <laughs> but we'll get there. So enjoy the ride. Now, the first thing I want to recommend to uh, reduce the shame and stigma is to avoid the words clean. Are you clean? To say, are you clean, implies that someone with a positive STI status is dirty. The kind of judgment that that carries, now I have numerous friends that are HIV positive growing up in the gay communities um, and HIV being far more prominent in the gay communities in the Western world, but far more prominent in the heterosexual communities in developing countries. Then I heard these words a lot you know, referring to something as clean and something as dirty. The, the way that that perpetuates shame is so deeply ingrained and inherent. So I would really encourage you to use the words instead, positive or negative, a positive STI status or a negative STI status. That completely removes the use of the words clean or dirty. Now, for my own sexual expression, I also choose not to use the words protected or unprotected. If I'm having protected sex, or I'm having unprotected sex, in my heart, in, in my mind, I never want to feel unprotected. I never want to feel like I'm having sex in which I need to protect myself, protect myself physically, protect myself mentally, protect myself emotionally, 
Now, I'm not going to say that that kind of languaging is right for everyone, but I was really clear in that myself. I want all of the sex that I choose to have to be safe, to feel safe. And whether I use protection or not, whether I use a condom or not, whether I like whatever the practical aspect of that is, I always want to feel safe. So I personally don't assign to the belief that I'm having unprotected sex. I am always having safe sex and my safe sex practices might be different based on different partners and how long and how established I am with that partner and when my last testing was, all these kind of things. But at the very core, I'm holding on to the belief that all of the choices that I make, I'm safe. And that my sexual health is not just about my STI status, but my sexual health is about how healthy my mind is and how healthy my heart and my emotions are and how healthy my relationships are that I'm having sex in. All of these contribute to what our sense of sexual health is, how much shame and stigma we hold towards our own sexuality, how comfortable we are with expressing our sexuality. All of these things summarise sexual health. All of these things summarise sexual safety in my mind. So before we, again, negotiation, it comes from BDSM, it comes from the kink world. I can't harp on about it enough. It is so powerful. It is so empowering. Let's spread this, (laughs) excuse the pun, let's share this as a practice because it's so empowering for everyone, is to negotiate sex before we have sex. Don't just go out for drinks, roll into bed with someone. We didn't even talk about it. I didn't even ask if there were going to be condoms. I didn't bring my own condoms. I was relying on him to do it. Uh, we, we were drunk. We did it. Woke up in the morning, had to go get the morning after pill. Now I have to go get a test because I didn't ask. All of that is unhealthy. We can very easily ask, what's your STI status? What are your safe sex practices? So what I would do in this circumstance is that I would be empowered with my STI status and I would share and say I got tested recently and I I didn't like I had a negative STI status what about you like what are your safe sex practices we can say yeah I'm coming home have you got condoms like that is implying we're not going home without condoms it doesn't have to be so cut and dry and unsexy You can say it in a sexy way. Are we going to stop and get condoms on the way home? Like we need to be empowered with the choices that we want to make. We need to be aware of what our personal practices are, what our personal protocol is, and we need to stick by that. And if that is going to make someone else uncomfortable, if they don't want to have that conversation, if they're trying to coerce you into doing something that you don't want, then that's not the partner to have. The clearer you are in your own values and your own protocols, will very clearly help you understand who you should be sharing your sexuality with and who you shouldn't. (laughs) We're just going to take a quick break in the episode here to share some love for our amazing sponsor, Maeve. Pleasure is good for you. Unleash and expand your self-pleasure or explore fresh partner intimacy with Maeve. Maeve is your elegant guided pleasure app with a continuously growing audio library of erotic stories guided sessions and soundscapes created by top-notch creative writers, sex and relationship therapists, poets and orgasmic life experts and brought to life by the most sultry voices and soundscapes. Give yourself or a lucky one the gift of pleasure and use the code ERIN20 to get 20% off your subscription. 
Details can be found in the show notes or head to withmave.com. Now let's jump back into the episode. Now a little further in the conversation, I will talk about what to do if they come out with a positive um, result, but well, if they come and share a positive status with you. But I want to share a personal story of what happened to me a few years ago with a lover that I had. And we had an amazing chemistry. We went to breakfast together and we were in bed before hotel checkout. (laughs) He was charismatic and intelligent and present and confident and we just really, really hit it off. And it was such a beautiful fucking morning. And I remember we were by the ocean. The hotel was right on the edge of the water in Tulum. The the ocean breeze was blowing these big white curtains into the room. It was just such a fucking sexy morning. It was so hot. We shared that one morning together and then I was leaving and we just kept in touch via social media. It was a positive experience. We used condoms. And then Uh, my next journey was on to Vancouver. So a few weeks later, I get a text from him that says, Hey, Aaron, I hope you're well. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. However, I have come back with a positive test for chlamydia. I've decided to put my own ego aside and care about your health more. And I need to ask you to get tested. And my first response to that was respect. I was like, thank you so much. You're literally never going to see me again. You could have got away with not telling me and not acting in integrity, and you still chose to come and tell me because you respected me and my health enough. Like, I feel such respect and gratitude towards that. And I said to him, thank you so much for letting me know. He said, there were four of you. I used a condom with all of you. So with chlamydia, you're legally obligated to tell people within 60 days, any partners you've had in the last 60 days. He said, there were four of you. I used condoms with all of you. He's like, I think you're safe, but it's still important to get tested. So I went to a sexual health clinic in Vancouver and it was in the gay district and I just absolutely love sexual health clinics that cater to the gay community because they've seen everything. It's a completely different model of education and shamelessness and and comfort in discussing things. And the nurse that I saw there was so fucking empowering and she gave me a sex education that I hadn't had since I was in high school and like now I'm 35 or at the time of this story, I was 35. So I was like, how, how would I have remembered that? Uh, having been in long-term partnership for a long time and not really had to think about it. And plus it's another level of complication when you're only sleeping with female partners because condoms are not applicable. Dental dams are not fun. (laughs) You can cut a condom open and use it as dental dam. I literally don't know a single lesbian that's done that. So you're dealing with a high level of risk just because of the share of body fluids um, and the fact that you've got two vaginas. So two very porous membranes. (laughs) So this nurse was just like, oh darling, chlamydia is the common cold of the adult's playground. It's so common. It's so transmittable, transmissible. And it's a single dose antibiotic treatment. And I'm just going to give you the treatment today. You don't even need to go through the test. You haven't had any other partners in the last 60 days. So there's no one for you to inform. Taking the tablet now is not going to reduce the efficiency of needing it again in the future. She said chlamydia can be passed through the back of the throat. So even though you used a condom for sexual intercourse, if 
you were experiencing deep throating, then it could be passed from female partner to male partner through the back of the throat. So we did a vaginal swab. I think I did a urine test, if I remember correctly, and then we did a throat swab. So she said, you don't need to be tested. But I was like, I wish to get tested anyway, because if I am the source of this for them, then I know where this came from. It came from my previous partner. And that was more than 60 days ago. But he was in polydynamics. He was navigating that in a way I didn't agree with. And that caused me a lot of pain. And that if that way of choosing to operate his relationships resulted in me having chlamydia that I then transmitted to someone else, then I do want to know that because I want to have that conversation with him. So I decided to get tested. So she had to put this big cotton, giant cotton bud down the back of my throat. She's like, okay, tip your head back, stick your tongue out. She's like, I'm really sorry. This is really uncomfortable. And it was totally fine. She's like, wow, you're really good at that. (laughs) I was like, that's why we're here. (laughs) It was such a joyful light, informative, educational experience. It turned out that I was negative anyway. But I walked away from that entire experience being so much more empowered in my sexual health practices. So I went back to my lover from Mexico. I told him and he said, I wish that I could just give you the biggest hug right now. You have made this so positive for me and I'm so fucking grateful for the way you've chosen to respond. And I was like, I feel exactly the same. Like we're better and we're closer for it. And I still have a connection with this guy years later. And wow, what an amazing experience to go through that, to be educated, to learn, to be more empowered. And I didn't have to deal with the negative consequences. But even if I did, to know that it's a single dose treatment, like that is a, a, a great relief for me. So the same week, I've taken the antibiotics. I'm waiting the seven days that the antibiotics take to work. And Midway through that week, I'm expecting to get some results back. So I'm in the window of not really being certain. And I end up going on a date with someone else. And he took me to this really fancy restaurant. (laughs) This whole date deserves an episode, honestly. He claimed that he was a dominant. And yet I could see immediately that he was quite intimidated by me. And this is very, very, very common. A lot of men who identify as dominant do not really have the capacity to dominate a woman such as myself because my personal power is very immense because my assertiveness and my masculinity is still very strong that I can see them falter or they promise something that they can't actually fulfill or they get intimidated or whatever it might be. So very quickly on this date, I see this guy's energy start to falter in front of me. And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. (laughs) But we still had a a good enough connection. And then he took me out to dinner. He flashed so much. It was the most expensive date I've ever been on. He bought me a $300 bottle of wine and we're sitting at dinner and he was implying that he wants to take me home. And I said, actually, I won't be having sex with anyone this weekend. I said, I think I said, oh no, I won't be having sex this weekend, but I won't be having sex with anyone this weekend. And he said, why is that? And I said, oh, well, actually I got a message from a previous lover and he tested positive for chlamydia. So He let me know I got tested this week. I took the antibiotics. I'm still waiting for my results back so I won't be sleeping with anyone for seven days. And we're in this fancy-ass restaurant and he shat himself. He was like, why'd you just drop a bomb like that? And I was like, oh, no, I didn't drop a bomb. Like this is a normal conversation that we should be having on our date. I don't have any shame around this. I'm making it a safe environment for you. Like when we don't hold the shame within ourselves 
then when we are having these conversations with others, we create the greatest potential for them to be shame-free as well. If I am harboring my own shame and judgment towards myself, then when I share that with that twinge of energy in it, then it can also trigger like energy attracts like all of their shame. So it's no guarantee that you're going to have positive conversations around it, but the more shameless and shame-free you are when you share, the better experience it is for the other. So I certainly hope as a result of that conversation that that guy then feels more empowered to have those conversations again and that it doesn't feel like someone's dropping a bomb to have these conversations but it's just so uncommon in the standard typical dating world to have these conversations that it is very unfamiliar for people so um I told him the circumstance I told him that I was being treated blah 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 he still I was like it's completely up to you and he chose to take me home anyway so um it is a very interesting uh, discernment to see how people respond to that, to come forward with honesty. So I had another circumstance where there was a woman that I've known for many years and she shared that she was very attracted to me and always had been and was interested in asking me to join her for a threesome. So there was a male casual partner that she had that she thought that I would really get along with and I would enjoy the sexuality and she asked if I would like to join them for a threesome. And so we were talking about that and I was certainly interested. And then she said, well, if you are interested and if this goes ahead, there's something that I need to share with you. And I actually received general herpes when I was 19. And so she would have been in her mid to late thirties at this point. So she's been navigating these conversations for a long time. And I said, oh, okay, thanks for letting me know. What does that mean for me? And she went to educate me a little bit about herpes and the transmission of herpes. And she offered ways that we could navigate a threesome where my risk is greatly lowered. She talked about a suppressant medication that reduces her risk of transmission and outbreak. And I said, okay, thank you so much for letting me know. I'm going to go and do some research around that. And she said, Erin, no one has responded that positively. That is the most positive disclosure experience that I've ever had. And I was like, wow, well, thank you for saying that. And she's like, well, thank you for responding that way. So inherent in that story is the fact that I don't judge her. I don't shame her. In fact, I have a lot of compassion for the circumstance and for how difficult that must be to have to make that disclosure all the time and to risk having negative responses, to risk the feeling of rejection and abandonment, to risk the feeling of judgment and shame every single time that you wish to share with someone sexually. And then the more invested you are in that person and the more you want something to build a relationship or you can see a future potential with this person, the greater that risk is. And there's so much more on the line. So the courage it takes to actually disclose when there's a lot of people who don't have that level of courage or that level of integrity and would rather not say something or say something when it's later, I had nothing but respect for her. So if someone does share with you that their status is positive, then I really urge you to see beyond the fact that they have an infection and to see the human that's brave enough and courageous enough and has enough integrity that they're choosing to put your health first and they're choosing to give you choice. They are allowing you to be in choice and to have autonomy. So even if it's a shock and even if you aren't expecting this kind of conversation, I ask that you really 
do your best to put that aside and process your shock and your confusion and your uncertainty in your own way, in a way that doesn't negatively impact the person that has chosen to share with you because it's so much better that they chose to share it with you. And in fact, there's statistics that you're far more likely to catch herpes from someone who doesn't know they have it than someone who does because those people that have herpes are so educated about it and so aware of it and the implications in their life that often they're far more protective in their sexual health practices of monitoring their own health and monitoring your health and and having safer sex practices in place and having medications in place. If someone doesn't know that they're a carrier and they don't have safe sex practices in place, then you're at a far greater risk of receiving the transmission. So I had to weigh up in that circumstance the risk and the reward. How invested in I how invested was I in that particular sexual expression? Now, it didn't transpire for other reasons. We didn't actually have the opportunity for that to happen before I left that city. But I had to ask myself, if this is going to be a one-off sexual experience and I'm putting myself at risk, is that a risk that I want to take? And the most likely answer is no. If it was someone that I felt emotionally bonded to, that I felt a future potential. Now, I felt emotionally bonded with her. That's that's not a distinction here. But what I would want to see is a future potential where there's a relationship or something that I'm seeking long-term in my life that would balance out the risk and the reward for casual one-off interactions, knowing what a herpes positive status would mean for me and the future of my sex life and the future of my partner's is a greater risk for a one-off sexual experience than what it is for a relationship. So it is really a a complicated personal circumstance that we each need to navigate in each of these circumstances, whether we have received a positive result ourselves, and we have to go back and tell others. So there are certain windows depending on what diagnosis you have, how far back in time you have to go to educate these people. That can come with a lot of fear, a lot of shame, a lot of regret to go back and have those conversations. There are services in America, uh, unfortunately I haven't been able to find any in Australia or Indonesia, where they offer anonymous status disclosure. So it might be possible through a doctor or through a sexual health clinic in Australia where you can give them the names of the partners that you've had and that they can contact them anonymously and say, one of your previous partners has tested positive for this. We suggest that you get tested. So that can make this whole process easier. But I really urge you that if you have found yourself in the position where you have a positive status of any sort, that there is far greater value in dealing with the short-term pain, shame, embarrassment, fear of having to tell your previous partners than there is in allowing these things to continue to spread in putting someone else's health at risk, particularly of infertility or cancers or like much greater health implications. If the worst thing in the world is that people know that we have a positive STI status, then so be it. The world is not going to end. People are going to forget about it at some point. Yes, there are societal consequences for this. Yes, if we're in communities where shame is rampant and gossip is rampant, that's going to 
create a big societal consequence for you, but then improve your societal circumstances, change the kind of relationships that you're having where you want to be surrounding yourself with people who support your honesty and would be empowered by these conversations rather than judging you or shaming you. I can imagine if I was having this conversation 20 years ago with the people that I was partying with and all the drugs and all the sex and all the like mess that we're in, I wouldn't have the the positive results that I'm having now. The results that I have from these kind of conversations and these kind of circumstances are because of my selectiveness with the quality of person that I wish to surround myself with. That guy's bad experience on the date, his bad response to that, I hope that that was an education for him and that's not someone that I would choose to have an ongoing relationship with for numerous reasons. And actually even these days I wouldn't sleep with him. <laughs> but that's part of the growth, isn't it, that we continue to raise our standards the whole way along. So so much of this is about raising our standards. It's about the quality of person that we are in relationship and the quality of person that we attract into our relationship. Now, if you have a positive SDI status and you need to go and share with others, then I really encourage you to get educated because it's likely that that person's going to have questions. You can send them to other sources to get those questions answered. You can be armed with a certain amount of information. Like with a chlamydia status disclosure, you could say, I've tested positive for chlamydia. It's a single dose antibiotic treatment. It works in seven days. I suggest that you get treated and you get tested and that you don't share you don't have sex for the next seven days and you educate your past partners. Like you can empower them. Think about how they're going to receive that information. Think about the time and the place in which they might receive it. If it's someone close to you, you can, you have a little bit more control over that and you can notice, are they stressed with work? Have, have they just, whatever you can say, okay, this is a good time. Or I need to have a difficult conversation with you. That's urgent. It's really important. Can you let me know when you're available? Give them that freedom and that sovereignty to say, okay, I've got to have a difficult conversation. Let me be in the right mindset to receive this information. That's relevant for all relationships and all conversations is I need to discuss something. It's important. Please let me know when works for you. That means that both of us coming in the best circumstances, the best head mindset, the best state that we can in order to have a difficult conversation. So being educated when you share thinking about the way in which you share the information and how that person might best receive it are all going to contribute to a more positive STI disclosure. So finally, I suggest that you commit to your own personal protocol. Get really clear on what are my standards when it comes to safer sex practices? What are my personal protocols? What are my testing protocols? What requirements do I have of new partners? Am I happy to just use condoms until they get tested? Do I want them to be tested before we actually engage sexually? Do I always use condoms? Do I only sleep with partners where we've both shared our results with each other and we can use, we can go without using condoms? Like there's so, you get to decide. That's your own prerogative. You're an empowered person. And the clearer you are in understanding what's right for you, then the more easy it is to screen and to vet and to discern who are the right partners for you because they will match that, they will respect that, or they won't. And then you can say, well, I'm not going to lower my standards. I'm not going to negate my own values and my own integrity for the, the results that I think I'm going to get. Am I feeling needy? Am I feeling 
do I want validation? Am I lacking connection and touch? And therefore I'm going to sacrifice my personal values in order to get that thing. That's where we put ourselves at risk. So knowing ourselves, keeping our standards high is the most important thing. Clearing the shame and stigma within ourselves is the most important thing. Understanding our own personal protocols, being educated about such things. These are all so important and allow us to enjoy sexuality for what it can be to clear the fear and the uncertainty and the risk-taking behaviour. We can never completely eliminate risk, but we can eliminate a lot of the risk so that we are more free to enjoy our own sexual potential and to share that sexuality with others. So I really hope you've enjoyed this. I hope it has been educational and informative for you. I really encourage you to share this episode, particularly with people in your world, people that you love, people that might not be having these conversations yet so that we can all start to have these conversations. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. Find me on Instagram. Come and share the love. Let me know your takeaways. Let me know what you love. Let me know if something triggered you or if you have any outstanding questions. Whatever it is, I want to know it. If there is something else that you'd love to hear about on this podcast or someone you'd like me to interview, please let me know. And if you loved this episode, please share it and subscribe so you never miss out. As always, I love you and until next time, laugh loud and fuck louder.